Today we close out a series called Jesus Changes Everything, where we've been just looking at just different aspects of Jesus and how he changed people's lives. And today is kind of a, a little bit different in that it's a reminder of the power of Jesus Christ. And the message for today is Jesus is for everyone. Now that may sound like, well, yeah, we know that. We're here. We know. We, we, I get that. I, I. But sometimes I, I wonder if, if we really believe that. Now, how many of you ever walk into a, a room, maybe it's your house, um, maybe it's work or, or some gathering, and you walk in there and there's food that you didn't know was going to be there? You walk in, maybe, maybe it's donuts. Like you walk in here at church on Sunday, there's donuts or biscuits, stuff that's really healthy, stuff that, you know, you know it's really healthy, you know, like, I need this. Um, maybe it's chicken wings, something even better, um, healthier, you know, protein, you need that. And you walk in there, and you see it, and you see it, and you just kind of, okay, some donuts. And you're just kind of looking around, and you're looking around, and then you kind of walk around. Is there somebody I can ask about this right here? And so you see it, and then you, somebody walks in, you have these questions. And the question, first question is, who is this for? That's what my granddaughter asked me, because I have somebody that says, who is this for? Or you'll say, like, is this anybody's? Because, you know, you ever do that? Like, you're at work, is, this, is this anybody's? Is this fair game? Is this these donuts? Is, are these for anybody? And we like when they go, if somebody comes in and goes, hey, I had this thing last night and this is left over. And, and if anybody wants some, you can have, oh, somebody wants, oh. That's nice, yes. I would like that candy or that sub sandwich. I would like some of that. But what's even nicer is when it's not leftovers. Leftovers are good, don't get me wrong. Keep bringing them, okay? <laughs> Keep bringing them, we love them. But it's really nice is when somebody comes in and they go, I made this. It's not accidental. It's intentional. I made this. And they say, these are for everybody. Now, they're not getting better than that, does it? These are for everybody. When that same line, what I want to tell you is that Jesus is for everybody. It's for everybody. And I know we're at church and you're going, yeah, I get it, Gary. That, that makes so much sense. But... I think we can live in such a way sometimes that we believe, we think, we act as if he is not for everyone. That we, we, we come to this conclusion in our life that this person doesn't need Jesus. This person is too far gone. This person I have writ written off. This person is different than me. And so I'm not sure that they are, are, are that Jesus is for them, and, and we would never say that. We would never say, but we can live in this, this such a way. And, and so I'm, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you some scenarios, and we're going to jump into the scripture here. I'm going to give you some scenarios here, and some of them you're going to like, and some of them you're not. Sometimes we can think this in regards to race. Now we would never say that. 
But we just think, yeah, I don't, I don't know if, if Jesus is for them. I don't know. Sometimes we think about people who are certain gender or transgender or their sexual orientation. Man, Jesus, Jesus could be for them. Or someone who has great economic status or someone who has hardly any. We think, ah, I don't know if Jesus is for them. Someone who's very successful or someone who's not so much. I'm not sure Jesus is for them. Again, we don't say these things, but we kind of live that way, kind of think. We see people with a bad past, a bad present, a bad future. I'm not sure. I'm not really sure Jesus is for them. As a matter of fact, uh, we, we, we think about politics like we think the Democrats. Jesus could, certainly couldn't be for the Democrats. Couldn't be for the Republicans. Certainly he couldn't be for them. And then you, you may think, oh, I don't know about that, Gary, but you start putting names on it. I'm telling you, you start putting names on it like I'm going to do. That Jesus couldn't be for Pelosi, McCarthy. Jesus couldn't be for Trump or Biden. Is anybody getting uncomfortable? Okay, good. That Jesus couldn't be for tree huggers or litterers? Surely he's not for litterers. Jesus is not for people with addictions or people who are hopelessly addicts. Jesus couldn't be for them, could he? They're messed up people. That Jesus couldn't be for people who have hurts. Major hurts. He couldn't be for people who have hurts. He couldn't be for people who have, who've, who've caused hurts, could he? He couldn't be for people who have hang-ups. He couldn't be for young people or old people. He couldn't be for church people or unchurched people. That Jesus couldn't be for people who are agnostics or atheists. He couldn't be for them, could he? And what I want to tell you this morning is he's for all those people. Jesus is for everybody. He's for you, and he's for me. And sometimes we think because people are different and they don't believe like us, and they don't act like us, we just write them off. Write them off and go, you know what, Jesus isn't for them. And we just kind of move on. You know, they, they, they may be totally against what the gospel represents, totally against what we think. I, you know, I'm, they, Jesus could be, no. And so I want to share a story in Acts chapter 10 where it's a story of Peter and is dealing with Cornelius that Jesus has died and risen from the dead and, and he's appeared to the apostles and he's told him, he said, you're going to be my witnesses to all the earth. You're going to go here, there, and everywhere. And, and when Jesus says this, he says to the outer ends of the earth, which means he's, they're going to go to people that are not like them. Now, Peter grew up in a culture where his culture, his race, their religious views were uh, the chosen ones, that, that they had God on their side, and that they, they, they were loyal to him, and he was loyal to them, and, and everybody else who wasn't Jewish was kind of like second-class citizens, and, and so uh, Jewish people really didn't spend a lot of time with people who weren't Jewish, they didn't go to their homes, they didn't do a whole lot with them, that they were the chosen ones, and so Jesus is saying, hey, you're going to be my witnesses everywhere because I'm for everyone. I'm not sure the apostles really got that. I'm not sure. I, heard, I think they heard Jesus say it, but I'm not sure they really got what that meant. And sometimes I'm not sure that we get what that means. 
And so we get this story of this guy named Cornelius. And Cornelius has this vision. God speaks to him. And he is to send messengers to Peter. Now, Cornelius is not Jewish. He's not. And it says the next day, Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town. And Peter went up on the flat of the roof to pray. Now, these two situations are not connected. Peter didn't know they were coming, but they are connected in some way in the timing. It was about noon, and he was hungry. And while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Now, this is kind of supernatural that God speaks to Peter through a vision, through a trance, through a dream. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. And in the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Now, in Peter's culture, they could only eat in certain foods. His whole life, for hundreds of years, his whole family, all he'd ever seen was them eat certain foods. There were certain foods they could not eat. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. You know what God said? Let's have a barbecue. Hey, I thought that was pretty funny. Anyway, you don't have to laugh. I thought it was funny. I humor myself. Anyway, so. No, Lord. Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. That same vision was repeated three times. Three times, the same thing. The sheet, the animals, Peter says no, God says yes. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. That's an understatement, isn't it? What could this vision mean? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate... They asked if a man named Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. And Peter has to ask this question. Man, is, is Jesus calling me to, to reach out to these people? Now, I want to talk to you for a second about this. I'm not talking about watering down what we believe. If you think that's what I'm saying, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, no matter what anybody believes, Jesus Christ is the answer. That following and surrendering Jesus Christ is the answer. Every single time, that's the answer. And in this situation, it was a race issue. But it may not be a race. It may be that you disagree with somebody. Maybe you don't like someone. Maybe someone is a different political party. Maybe, maybe they root for the Florida Gators or even worse, Alabama. You know what I'm saying? Even, you know, maybe that's who it is. But Jesus is for everybody. Hear me. And Peter has this question, is Jesus really for everybody? Is this what I'm supposed to do? So here's my second thing. Jesus takes all comers. This is something I think we forget. I say it, I, I should probably say it every week, y'all. That Jesus takes all comers. You hear me say from here that we take all comers. I want you to hear me this. We take them all. I don't care. Listen, we don't care. Our church doesn't care. Your past, 
We don't care what you've done. We don't care about your sexual orientation. We don't care if you're against the gospel. We do not care if you don't believe in Jesus. We don't care if you've made a bunch of mistakes. We don't care if the worst sinner. Uh, the scriptures talk about notorious sinners. We don't care who you are. You are welcome here, and we will tell you that the answer is Jesus Christ. Surrendering your life to him over and over again. And why do I say this? Why do I say this? Because that's what Jesus did. That's who Jesus is. He takes all comers. He takes all. The scripture in Matthew, and the scripture in Luke about Matthew, it's, it's going to say Levi and Matthew. The Bible always has two or three names for everybody to keep us confused. Don't you think that? It tells a story of God calling Matthew, Levi, calling him, saying, follow me. That Jesus wants this guy. Most likely this guy's a crook. Most likely Matthew has been cheating his people. That the, the tax collectors in Matthew's day had to send a certain amount. They were empowered by Rome, had to send a certain amount to Rome. Anything above that they could keep for themselves. So sometimes then they would just tax their people. And so they were hated by their people. But that didn't scare Jesus. And he asked Matthew, who's also called Levi, to follow him. And Matthew does. And this is what happens. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. And many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with him. So Matthew accepts Christ and he throws a party, invites all his friends. You'd think everybody would be really happy, wouldn't you? Man, this is going to be great. He'd invite everybody to come meet Jesus. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious Law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat with such scum? And Jesus answered them. Man, this is just, it's actually one of my favorite verses. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come, not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they're sinners and need to repent. And I want to spend a little bit of time here, if you just give me a second. It's really easy for religious people to become self-righteous. It's really easy for us to think that the sin that we don't have in our life is worse than the one we do. I'm going to say it again. It's really easy us to become self-righteous. It's real easy for us to think that the sin that we don't have in our life is worse than the one that we do. And it's real easy for us to write people off. Ah, they're, they're not, Jesus, it's not going to. As a matter of fact, sometimes when I invite people to church, they'll say, I'm against organized religion. And I always say, Hey, we're pretty unorganized around here. We keep it pretty loose. Keep it pretty loose. You'll fit in great. But you know what they're saying? I don't want to go somewhere where I'm going to be judged. I don't want to go somewhere where I'm not going to be accepted. I don't want to go somewhere where I'm not going to be loved. And Jesus takes all comers. 
And too many times when we come to Christ, man, we are so grateful to be saved. But after a while, we think it is our goodness that has saved us. That I'm good, that God needs me, that, you know, he saved me because I've got some good merit. I've got some pretty good qualities here. I'm serving. I'm giving. I'm working the program. And you become self-righteous. And it's real easy to write other people off. This trait is not just for religious people. Non-religious people do this as well. I know a guy who told me the reason he didn't come to church was a certain thing that happened. And he did the very same thing years later and justified it. So the act of being self-righteous is not just a church thing, not just a religious thing. There's a little self-righteousness in all of us. But here's what I want you to see, is the one who could be self-righteous, the one who never sinned, the one who never made a mistake, the one who could say to all of us, I'm writing you off, I'm writing you off, I'm writing you off. You're not good enough. You keep doing the same thing over and over. You got this problem, you got that. You, you'll never change. The one who could do all that, listen to me, he refuses to do so. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he's for you. He is for you that there is no sin issue that scares him. There is no circumstance that perplexes him. There is no mess that is beyond him, that he is the answer. Transgender, no gender, whatever gender, whether you're, what race, whether you're successful, whether you feel like a failure, whether you do the same thing over and over again and you don't know why, Jesus Christ is for you and he is calling out to you. He's calling out to you and he's saying, follow me, trust me, believe me, I will remake you. If you'll surrender to my will, if you'll follow me, that's what Christ says. And too many times we just simply forget that, man, the church is for sick people and Jesus takes all comers. Which leads me to the last. Is that Jesus is for everyone. That Peter has this situation where he's not sure what to do. Should he go? Should he not go? God's telling him to go. He goes and gets everything he thinks and believes that he doesn't know if God could really be for these people. And we see this last part, that Jesus is for everyone. Peter goes to Cornelius's house. Cornelius explains his story. Peter explains his story. And even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. Isn't that what you want to see happen? When you hear people hear the gospel and the Holy Spirit to convict them and to also to, to counsel them, to encourage them, to surrender to Christ, that Christ is the answer. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. This blew their mind. They didn't, even though there were hints of it in the Old Testament, they just couldn't put it all together. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. We get the next one. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized? Now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, so he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterwards, Cornelius asked them to stay with them for several days. Hear me, in this one moment, Jesus changed everything. And he's still changing lives. 
Now, I know you expect me to say it and you expect me to believe it, but I want to bring somebody on stage who Jesus Christ has changed his life. And so I'm going to ask Jeremy and his wife, Allie, she's going to come up. I just want you to see Allie. You see Allie on the stage leading worship, but I want to, these guys are the leaders of our teen ministry for Celebrate Recovery that meets on the East Campus at 7 o'clock on Thursday nights. They do a great job, phenomenal people. I love these guys. Would you give them a hand? Would you want to warm? Great people, faithful, and God has changed both their lives. And Jeremy's going to share his story. Thanks, Jeremy. Hey, good morning, everybody. See if I can get this to open. All right. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. <clears throat> My name is Jeremy, and I'm a codependent alcoholic that no longer answers to that. I'm a child of God because Jesus changes everything, including sinners like me. I was born almost 49 years ago to a fantastic mother and an alcoholic dad. Both of them were raised by godly women, but neither of them stayed in church once they became adults. As a child, the only Jesus I got was when either of my grandmothers, Nana or Granny, would take me to church. I would probably go, I don't know, maybe four times a year, if that. They were both Southern Baptists, and in the early 80s, Southern Baptist preachers were terrifying. <laughs> Y'all can relate. You either follow Jesus or burn. Those were your two choices. So when I got into my teenage years and I was asked to go, I would kindly tell them, nah, nah, no thank you. Moving right along, when I met a girl, I met a girl when I was 16 years old that got me back to church where I committed my life to Jesus, got baptized, and started on a path that if I would have stayed on, would have led me to a life of a lot less pain than the one I ultimately chose. See, sex and drinking and hanging out with the cool kids was much more fun to me than sitting in a pew next to a girl that was saving herself for marriage. I was introduced to Jesus, but the enemy had the stronghold then. How was I supposed to follow someone I couldn't even see? All the fun was over here with the fast cars, the dirty money, and the faster women. Well, that life in the fast lane got me one place really fast, and that was the slammer. From the time I was 18 to 21 years old, I went in and out of jail 13 or so times until the judge finally got sick of seeing my face in his courtroom and made an example out of me. He sentenced me to spend the rest of my probation locked up. For 335 days, I thought about how dumb I had been and the day of my release, what did I do? Went right back to the people and places that got me there in the first place. Same job as well. I was installing gutters on houses and the day after I got out of jail, I fell off a roof 30 feet and crushed my ankles. They were literally sideways looking like cantaloupe. I spent six months in a wheelchair having to learn to walk again, moved back home with mama and soon met my first wife. We got married while she was seven months pregnant with my first child. We ended up having four children together, but the relationship lacked something and it didn't work out. We divorced after 10 years of marriage. Free at last, free at last. What does an alcoholic do fresh out of a divorce? 
Right back to the bar I went, and right back to jail I went. Two DUIs in three months' time. I got put into a program called DUI Court in Rockdale County, and after two years of that, I celebrated my graduation by, yep, you guessed it, getting drunk. I learned new tools in this program, which made me a wiser drunk. <laughs> I knew not to get behind the wheel anymore. Drinking at home was much safer, and if I went out, someone else was driving, not me. That's how I justified my drinking now. I was a safer drunk. I was 33 years old at this time and had nothing to show for my life. I continued my educated drinking for 10 more years, managed to start a plumbing company. I needed more funds for my habit. Alcohol is a drug too, and the more I drank, the more I spent. I got a call from my dad one morning, and remember I mentioned in the beginning he was an alcoholic too. He had just fallen down in the shower and needed me to come take him to the hospital. I hadn't noticed how bad his drinking had gotten because I was blinded by my own. They immediately put him on a ventilator for his DTs and I watched him die throughout the next 40 days of liver failure. You would have think that that would have been enough for me. It just intensified my desire for alcohol. I was grieving now. My mom came up to visit from Florida the next Christmas and I was an ugly, mean drunk. I hurt her so bad she drove back to Florida that night. On Christmas Eve, I caused my mother to drive back home. I woke up on Christmas Day alone. I knew I needed to change and I knew exactly who it was I needed. See, the seeds that are planted in believers never die. They may lie dormant for 30 years like it was for me, but finally something happens that causes those seeds to sprout. For me, it took rock bottom for me to decide that I needed new soil. My mom had been my, by my side through all of my addiction, and when she finally had had enough, it was enough for me to see I needed change. Nothing changes if nothing changes, but Jesus changes everything and everyone. Joel Osteen, a pastor out of Houston, Texas, has an XM channel, and at the end of his messages, he tells you to get yourself into a Bible-based church, and that's exactly what I was going to do. Up the hill at East Campus, I went on New Year's Day five years ago, my dad's birthday, by the way, to find out that the doors were closed. I had went to the 11 o'clock service, and they only had one service that day at 9.30, <laughs> figures. Another attempt by the enemy, but this time he wasn't going to win. I knew who Jesus was, and I know the power he has. I went the next week, and God designed the message just for me, and Scott was the vessel. Five months later, I put the bottle down for good, and it's been a distant memory since. I just celebrated five years sober last month, but most importantly, I celebrated five plus years back in a relationship with Jesus. And no matter how hard the enemy tries, he will never take that from me. See, Jesus changed everything. That sin lifestyle that once enticed me no longer worked. There are new people and places in my life that are positive influences. Places like Celebrate Recovery on Thursday nights where I get to 
serve adults and students and help the hurting get back to a relationship with Jesus. Another positive influence is, is this church right here. You know, God speaks to us in all kinds of ways. Scripture, prayer, circumstances, other people. And I don't know about y'all, but I leave this church every Sunday slap full of Jesus. From the worship to our rock star pastors, Jesus shows out in this place each and every week. My people have changed too. Before, when I was in active addiction, I put myself around people that were untrustworthy and self-centered and downright riding with the devil. Now I surround myself with men and women of God. From my church family here on Sundays to my forever family on Thursday nights, to my daughters that my alcohol, uh, sorry, my alcoholism caused me to put on the back burner. I get to build new relationships and mend old ones that I had damaged. My relationship with my mom has been restored as well, and just like before, she is my biggest fan. Only this time she gets to see the man God chose me to be, not, not, and not be the one Jeremy chose. He also brought me another beautiful soul into my life. I told myself that I was not going to get emotional in second service like I did first one. Someone I get to do life with on a daily basis. Someone that I get to serve with, worship with, and seek Jesus with on a forever basis. We will be celebrating five years of marriage this October as well. See, thank you. See, Jesus changes everything, and I will never let anything change that. Thank you for letting me share. Listen, there's a lot of Jeremy's out there. Their issue is an addiction, but it might be. It may be a hurt, maybe a past, maybe a mistake, maybe a sin issue, maybe confusion. They may not believe right now. But Jesus is for them. And we need to go. We need to bring. And I want to close out just by just this one statement right here. That Jesus is for you. I want you to hear me this. That there's a lot of stories out there there's some stories in here that God still wants to redeem. I don't know where you're at today. I'm not going to assume that anybody in here doesn't need Jesus. So I'm, I'm going I'm to give you a chance to respond. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, if you don't understand, Jesus wants to change your life just like he did Jeremy's. That's what he wants to do. He wants to give you a plan. He wants to redeem you wants to give you a purpose, but you've got to accept him. You've got to surrender to him. You've got to follow him. And then I want to talk to those today that, man, maybe you quit believing. You just, you just quit believing a while ago.
that I'm not saying you're not a good person and I'm not saying you're not coming to church, but, but you quit believing that, man, Jesus really can change everything. Every circumstance, every dilemma, every person that, that Jesus, he can change it. He can. I want us to start believing that again if we've stopped. Then we wake up on Monday and we go to work that we think, you know what, Jesus has got me here for a reason and he changes things. When well, I'm at the ball field on Tuesday with my kids and, and I, I'm just going to think that, man, Jesus changes things that, and, and I'm going to be looking for opportunities and, and knowing that the Lord's going to give them to me. I'm going to quit writing people off, hear me on this, that aren't like me, that don't believe like me, that may not live like me. I'm not going to write anybody off anymore because Jesus doesn't either. That we're all going to live in such a way that, man, we just see Jesus as the answer and we want to tell everybody about him. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to close and then we're going to have a closing decision song. And if you want to pray, you can come forward. I'll be over here. Uh, love to pray with you. But I'm going to pray for you right now. And if you'd like to accept Christ, I'm going to say a prayer and you can pray with me. And then when you're done, I'd love to talk to you after the service. And then if you need to recommit your life to Christ or maybe start believing again, I'm going to pray for you too. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you that you are for us. I think uh, the scripture says, if God is for you, who can be against you? That you are for us that you love us. Lord, I pray for the person here today that's never made the decision to follow you. And if that's you today, I just want you to pray this prayer. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you still change lives. I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to change me. But today I'm following you. And then, Lord, I pray for those of us here today. We, we, we may have been coming for a long time. But the world and just honestly the news and just all these things get in our minds and our hearts. And we, we just write people off. And I pray today that that would stop. And so I'm praying for us to recommit ourselves that you are the answer. And if there's somebody here today that, that that's their decision, I'll ask you to pray with me today. Jesus, I'm recommitting myself to you and your plan. I'm believing that you are bigger than any problem, any sin condition any mistake or failure, that you're bigger, that you are the answer. And Lord, I'm recommitting myself to that personally and for those around me to tell them. Father, we pray that you would use us. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand? If you have a decision to make, I'd love to pray with you. Anything going on in your life?